Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans. I'm Clint. Thanks for joining me today for part two, talking about the McPhersons and Clan Cat. And before I get too far into that, let me give a shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. Go over to there if you have any desire to express through your apparel, your pride in your heritage from Scotland specifically, but they also get have some Irish and some Welsh stuff on there. Lots of variety. It's not just kilts, but very fine kilts, but a lot of other stuff. Anything you would wear with a kilt, uh, some jewelry, some uh, just they lots of cool stuff. Go on there. Go explore around. Explore the space on usakilts.com. Find something you like. Also, go check their YouTube channel out at USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. They've got some good content on there. We'll get more about that later. Guys, I want to get farther into this. I, we t- last episode, we talked about the origins of the McPhersons from Gillyhatton Moor, the Bailey of Ardhatton Priory, established by the McDougals officially in 1230. And a few generations after Gillyhatton Moor, we have the parson of King Usi. The, the, the heir, the first heir, the Dermid, great-grandson of Gilcott and Moore, didn't produce any heirs. He and his sweetheart did not. So the next person over who did produce heirs was the parson of King Usi, Dermid's brother, Murech. And he's the parson, and so McPherson means son of the parson. So you have the descendants who take that name. But in Gaelic, which is, I think this is fascinating, like I mentioned last time, we have these... In in English, we refer to these different clans by a certain name, but many of them in Gaelic were known by a different name or in addition to the name that we're more familiar with. Such was true of the McPhersons. They were also known as Clan Vurich after this parson of King Usi. But whether they're going by Clan Vurich or by McPherson, they're claiming descent. Both of them are coming, both names are coming from the same person, Murich, the parson. The sons, the children of Murich, Clan Vurich, and the son of the parson, McPherson. So there we have there we have the the origin story for the, at least how the clan got their name. Now I said that there's some generations in between Gilachat and Moore and and Murich where this kindred becomes known as Clan Hatton. So that would make, make the McPhersons the senior male representatives of the Clan Hatton. But there would be other lines breaking off before or in conjunction at the same time with Murich, like Murich's brothers, cousins. And I don't know how they originally fit in, but we have the McPhails and the Davidsons who fit in this time period too. And these three, the McPhails are the sons of Paul and the Davidsons, which I wonder why the Davidsons, I know they were, they went by clan guy in Gaelic, but I wonder why we have the English version in a very, very, very Gallic context. I, I've, I've wondered that about other clans too, like the Nielsens who came off of, descend from Neil, the clan Mackay, and, but they take a very English wave. Anyway, I'm curious about all that, but the Davidsons in Gallic, I said clan guy. That's my best Gallic. Like, I, I hope I'm close on that. It was clan and then D-H-A-I. I, th- I think... I think I'm close on that. I don't know. Anyway, the McPhails, the Davidsons, the McPhersons, referred to as the old Clan Hatton. Well, I said that the McPhersons were the original senior line of this kindred who are associated with this holy site devoted to the St. Catton of the 600s. Well, 
How come then the Macintoshes become the captains of Clan Hatton? There's some really interesting clan stuff going on here that I, I think is, is worthy of discussion. So the, the ori- original male line, the senior line, did not come from Murich's son, Ewan Ban, who had the three sons that I talked about last time and the three divisions of the McPhersons, Kenneth, John, and Gillies. Okay, and what's interesting, just before I forget, and I didn't mention it last time, I kind of alluded to it, but I never said it, this division of the clan McPherson, descending from these sons of Ewan Ban, McPherson or McVerich, either one would be accurate, these, this, the three divisions from these three sons, they clear hundreds of years in the future now, 1745, the McPhersons are marshalling their forces for the Jacobite cause, and guess how they're organized? into these three different branches of the kindred. Cool, huh? So we, it's, still, it's still evident that far in, in the future. Oh, by the way, I mentioned my sources last time, but I've got the, the work by Alan G. McPherson, Reynold McPherson, and Paul Basu. So go back to the other episode if you want to get more information on the sources. Once again, I'll try to post um, links to those PDFs if I can find them. I've had these PDFs for a while, so I'll try to go track down where I got them from. Anyway, so so how do the Macintoshes become the captains of Clan Hatton? Well, the senior line didn't go through Mirik's son Ewan Ban. It, it went through it went through a different line. I'm not going to go like I don't want to go in the weeds and get y'all lost on generations and names and all the stuff. But that line failed. In as far as the male line, the the last person Dougal has only a daughter named Eva, and guess what? She marries Angus McIntosh, who I believe was the sixth chief of the McIntoshes. So we have this, McIntoshes are already kindred. And this is, once again, this is all taking place in Lachaber. And the McIntoshes are in this area. But because of heavy pressure from the McDonald's, they end up pushing east. So the, the Angus McIntosh marries the heiress to the leadership of Clan Hatton, Eva, and they become the new captains of Clan Hatton and move eastward. Now, the McPhersons would contest this, what they viewed as a usurpation of the leadership of the kindred, the Clan Hatton kindred, and the, and the clans that were a part of this kindred. However, the interesting thing is that the Macintosh leadership tends to be, or to, it looks like it was accepted by the other members of Clan Hatton. Isn't that interesting? And we've talked about the succession and how this worked in Gallic clans in a previous episode, a couple of episodes. We talked about tonistry and did they even use it and tonistry versus primogeniture. Primogeniture is associated with the Normans, which I think is really interesting because it was primogeniture that the McPhersons based their claim to the leadership of the kindred on. So at the end of the day, the people who are trying to be, gain the leadership will use whatever system it is advantage to them, regardless of if it's their traditional and customary or if it's more associated with the Normans or whoever. If it works for them, that's what they're going to go with. And at the end of the day also, the, the leading members of this kindred, they're going to decide who they want their leader to be. And we see this play out in several other different stories. Uh, we did a an episode on Blarnalania, the Battle of the Shirts, and that was 
all boiling, boiling down to the leadership. Who is going to be the leader, form the leadership, or who is going to be the chief of the Clan Ranald branch of the McDonald's, which is a very powerful and, and major branch of this, the greater Clan Donald. We had, on the one hand, we had uh, Ronald Galda, who was raised up amongst his mother's kindred, the Frasers of Lovett, versus John Moitertuch, who they claimed was a bastard, illegitimate, so not he so he couldn't inherit the rightful leadership of the clan, except for it seems like a lot of people within the clan Ronald preferred his leadership and backed him in a fight. And so you had the Battle of Blarnalania. There's more to it than that. You can go back and check the other episode out that's on that. I tried to name my episodes very easy so that you can find they're very descriptive of what the content is. So just similar, at the end of the day, people get to decide who wants to be their leader, regardless of what system is in place and versions of this and that and this. If You, you kind of have to just be a good leader. It looks like the Clan Hat and the broader kindred accepted Angus McIntosh's leadership, and so they went ahead and followed him, even though the McPhersons would continue to contest that position. And all right, just to give you some sort of bearing time-wise where we're at on the chronology of, the, of everything. So Ewan Ban, the, the son of Murich, the parson of Kingusi, the first one who'd be able to call himself Macpherson, the son of the parson, or Macverich, the son of Murich, same person, right? So this Ewan was still alive in 1350. So, and that seems like it's toward the end of his life, the, the work by Reynold McPherson says that he was still alive in 1350, indicating that he had been alive for a while before this. Now, let's let's start to... So we covered how the Macintoshes become captains of Clan Hatton. They, Angus Macintosh marries... The, the chief of the Macintoshes marries Eva, the heiress to this leading line of the Clan Hatton. The McPhersons argue, okay, well, that's a female line. That can't happen. It needs to go back up and then come back down through another male line, which we would be the senior representatives of. Okay, so that's how all that comes about. The rest of Clan Hatton say, no, we're okay with Angus McIntosh leading us, and there you have it. So ever forward, the McPhersons would would have a problem with this, and in the future they would sometimes ally with the rest of Clan Hatton, and at other times, like at the Battle of Harlaw, they would choose to fight on the other side. Interesting. And then there's another, and I will talk about this a little bit later, the Battle of Inverlochy, where they just they start off going to war with the rest of the Clan Hatton, and then they just fell out and decided, now nah, we're going sit, to sit on the bench on this one and see how you guys do. We'll get to that later. Okay, so, um, you and Ban... His, he has the three sons. Um, we're talking about the first half of the 1300s. The Battle of Bannockburn was in 1314. And that's when Robert the Bruce really is like, okay, now I've taken care of the English. Now let's start consolidating gains. And so from then on, the work of, okay, let's take care of all those people who stood against me. And that leads right into, hey, McPherson's Clan Hatton. Um, any land that you can take from the Cummins by force in Badenoch, I'll give you legal charter to. And so we have from from that part on going into the thirteen the mid thirteen hundreds, we have this effort on the part of Clan Hatton who want to distance themselves, push eastward out of 
the the western area. I mentioned earlier that they're receiving pressure from the McDonald's. You see that the McDougals, like the Cummins, didn't just fall overnight. It isn't like everybody. It wasn't like everybody snapped their fingers and all this territories turned over. The McDonald's would have been aggressively pursuing the McDougals. Um, King Robert the Bruce took took some forces up there to to say, "Hey, remember that time that you ambushed me and my guys after the Battle of Methven and almost killed us all off?" Yeah, I remember that too. Guess what? Anyway, it was in this time period where this consolidation and Robert the Bruce is pulling it all together now that you see this aggression from the McDonald's putting pressure, the McFer- the clan Hatton being offered whatever in Badenoch they can take from the Cummins. So these all these different factors combine to this eastward movement from Lachaber into Badenoch. Now there are kindreds already there. There's those who are associated with the Cummins. Um, there is McNivens. Now, McNivens are associated in the future with the clan Hatton. What I was what I've read from some of these sources, it looks like they had got into Badenoch before the McPhersons. And not only were the McPhersons antagonistic toward the common kindred and their adherents in this area, but also there was a lot of competition and some feuding with the McNivens at where the McPhersons gained the upper hand. This movement east and this competition with the Cummins looks like it was done in conjunction with or coordination with the Macintoshes under Angus, who also, quote, awarded, who was also, so let me just read it straight from the source. Quote, the Macintoshes under Angus were also awarded lands in Benchar, Benchar in 1319 for similar services to King Robert, uh, suggesting coordination with the McPhersons, unquote. Okay, so it looks like they're on the same team, even though the McPhersons have a problem with the succession of the leadership of Clan Hatton, it's not stopping them from the opportunity to acquire new territory at the expense of the Cummins. In fact, this this push east and this competition, this violent competition with the Cummins and the acquisition of Badenoch, looks like it actually pulled together this this movement, this effort that took place over decades wasn't wasn't like one battle and they had all this territory. It, t- it took several decades. It looks like it was much of the first half of the 1300s. But this effort was the bringing together force of a lot of what became Clan Hatton. I mentioned before that Clan Hatton was made up of kindreds, the old Clan Hatton, the McPhersons, Davidsons, the McFowls or McFails, amongst maybe some others. But it also, we have the Macintoshes. The Macintoshes were already a kindred by this time, by the time that they assumed the leadership of, well, at least their chief assumes the leadership of Clan Hatton. And they had several clans that were tied to them, that were related to them, or offshoots of them. And so they become parts, during this time period, they become part of Clan Hatton, with the Macintoshes, and then you have these other groups that become part of it that were not connected at all by blood. It just turned out to be advantageous for them. So like I was saying, the effort to wrest control of Betanach from the Cummins seems to be a pulling together force for the Clan Hatton. Let me share something with you from the Reynold McPherson article. It says the... uh, 
that uses uses as an example of this uniting force that this this uh, this taking resting control occupation by force of Beidanach from the Cummins. This is an example of how this brought in other kindreds into the the Clan Catton or Clan Catton Confederation. It says, for example, quote, for example, William McBain and his four sons, who had killed the Red Cummins captain of Inverlochy Castle in Lochaber, decided to come under the protection of the Macintoshes and establish their own clan in Badenoch. The colonization of Cummin lands proceeded over many decades. The scale of the expansion of Clan Virich slash Clan Macpherson from about 1350, when Ewan, father of the three brothers, was still alive, is indicated, and it talks about the picture that's off to the right, so close quote. Anyway, um, so there we see the McBains. So the, the McBeans, McBain, McBean, they come on under the umbrella of Clan Hatton during this time in their own efforts to violently oust elements of the common kindred. So it looks like a lot of a lot of the this is a formative time for Clan Hatton. You start out with the core back from Lochaber, and as you move eastward, and you have this competition with the Cummins. Then you have the clan Hatton starting to become more like what it would look like in future days, and and the the roster of clans that were part of clan Hatton would start to look more like what it would look like maybe in the fifteen hundreds and from then on out. But keep in mind, a lot of this is occurring in the first half into the mid thirteen um, hundreds. Before I go on to mention the last part of what I want to talk about with the McPhersons in this move eastward and their establishment in Badenoch, I want to just talk a little bit more about my sponsor, USA Kilts. Look, I love wearing my USA Kilt, my USA Kilts kilt. I love it. It's uh, it's well-made. It, I've, I've worn it on hikes. I've worn it to more social functions. I've worn it just around the house. It's it's very comfortable. It's held together well. Like I told you, very uh, big variety of things. And even if, even if, and I'm not here to present hard rules to you that only men can wear kilts. But it seems like a kind of a male conversation if we just keep it to kilts only. Look, any type of clothing that you want to ever get to express your pride in your Scottish heritage, as well as a few other products that go into some Welsh and some Irish stuff too. They've got it at usakilts.com, They've, and they do it well, guys. They do the products well. They do the customer service well. Free shipping inside the U.S. Go to usakilts.com and go ahead and treat yourself to something that will display to the whole world who you are and where you come from. Also, go to USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions USA, or, uh, sorry, U- YouTube channel. And check out some of the awesome content that they have on there. Um, I anything from f- from how to wear a kilt to what wear to wear with a kilt, how not to wear it, Scottish culture, Scottish heritage, history, all sorts of stuff. Rocky and Eric are doing an awesome job and putting out some great content on on their channel there. So go check them out. Okay, last thing I want to talk about. Okay, so we have the the McPhersons pushing east. And at the expense of the Cummins, acquiring Badenoch, Robert the Bruce says, whatever you can take by force, I'll give you a charter to. So the McPhersons do it. Other members of Clan Hatton, different branches branches of the McPhersons do it. Um, specifically, 
Now this, before the three sons of you and Ban come along, Kenneth, John, and Gillies, those are the English versions of the name, um, this, this had already been underway. Now the branches of Kenneth and John are of the three branches, of the, of the three sons of you and Ban, and the, and the branches that come from them, they're Kenneth and John, the branches go forward first. Gillies, that branch, hangs back. They've intermarried with the McMartins of Letter Finley, and they they remain there for a while. But it, eventually, the chief of the McPhersons invites this third branch to come and join them in Betanach, and they do. And there you have it. Okay, so just a little something from the article about, from, from this... Uh, McPherson Country article that I mentioned earlier. Really interesting um, comments here about how the clan, once they've got possession of this area legally by the charter from the king, how do they go about making this their duchas or their, their heritage rather than just land that they own? Aside from living there for so many generations, there's an interesting phrase that Paul Basu uses in in describing how the incoming clan really make, makes this territory theirs. So it says, quote, although Dodgson has demonstrated that powerful descent groups effectively grew down into a territory through infiltrating the landholding hierarchy the romantic ideology of clanship portrays a clan emerging autochthonously from the land. Okay, so we, it's clear now that the McPhersons did not always belong to Betanach. They started off farther west in Lachaber. So what is this? This I think this phrase is really interesting. Grew down into a territory through infiltrating the landholding hierarchy. Okay, so the kindreds that already exist in this area, it's not just a military conquest. They're going to also intermarry with them, and they're going to become locals. And so that the descendants of the McPhersons are of mixed McPherson and also the blood of people, of families who have been in that area for much longer. And so these descendants can look back and f- they're McPhersons, but also through these female lines, they've been there forever, or at least at least longer than the McPhersons. So, I, I, and in this article, I, like I said, if I can find the link to it, I will post this because I want you to go read more about that concept, and it describes goes in a lot more detail on the concept of duchas, this this heritage that's tied into land. Uh, we don't have a, really a word for that's equivalent in English, and. The thing that strikes me as interesting about this is this is how the Normans did it. But here we see native Gallic clans and kindreds also employing the same thing. When the Normans came in, they were given. Most of it was not a military conquest in the same way that the Normans came into England or Ireland. They were invited in by the Scottish king, a lot of them under the reign of David I, not only under him, other other monarchs in the Canwar dynasty specifically, but not just David I, but a lot under him. These Normans are invited in, but then they commence to intermarrying and become 
part of the local uh, population. And so here we see the McPherson using the exact same 200 years after the introduction of the Normans into Scotland. We see the McPhersons are doing this too. And I don't imagine it started with the Normans. It's probably always gone on. It just seems like a really good way to become really rooted in an area is to intermarry. So there you have it. The, uh, the, so in a nutshell, to summarize the whole thing, the McPhersons start off in La Chaber. The and about the same time that the heiress of the leader of, of the heiress of the leadership of Clan Hatton marries Angus Macintosh in this same generation, we see a movement east. And the Macintoshes are part of it, the who seem to be have al- have already been on good terms with Robert the Bruce. We have the Clan Hatton kindreds, plural, wanting to distance from the McDougals and take Robert the Bruce's offer on, hey, whatever come and lands you can get on your own, I'll give you charter to. So we see this push eastward and an establishment. So it's not just a military conquest, but they start intermarrying with the local kindreds of the area, and they become firmly rooted in Badenoch. Okay, so that's we're going to wrap up today. Uh, I think I'm going to do one more episode on the McPhersons, because I'm trying to, like I said, trying to keep these short, and so far I've been kind of successful. We're at 25 minutes here. Um, in the future, I want to discuss some notable parts of the McPhersons. What sets them apart? What are distinguishing features? What are some um, big moments in McPherson history? And I hope I hope you've liked this. Um, they were, if you have any ancestry that are at all from the Central Highlands, if you look, if you were to draw, and this would be cool to make a map of this, maybe it's a future project that I can do, or one of you listening, or if you're good at this, can do, but we could make a map that shows, that just outlines the chunk of Scotland that's occupied by all the clans associated with Clan Hatton. It's a pretty big chunk of the Central and Eastern Highlands. So if you have any ancestry from that area at all, even if it's not Clan Hatton, it's important to understand their influence on the history of that part of Scotland. If you want to look into more sources, please go to my um, my webpage with uh, scottishclans.podbean.com. I've got some sources listed on there. I've got some PDF links. I've got um, academia.edu links on there. That's That's a free membership. And I have um, I have affiliate links if you want to buy some of the books that have contributed to this podcast. You can get some of those. Uh, those links are on there too. Uh, as far as sources are concerned, I really recommend going to Bruce Fumi. His YouTube channel is Scotland History Tours. It's more than just general Scottish history. Um, he likes to take a a unique angle on a lot of the, you know, share things a lot of people don't know about certain parts of the Scottish history. And some of that overlaps with clan history because it's hard not to talk about the clans if you're going to get really into Scottish history, but it's not so clan focused as mine, but he does some great stuff. Great storyteller. Also, I found some really good content with Mike on um, clans and dynasties, his YouTube channel. That's got some awesome stuff. If you're listening to this and interested, you'd be very interested in some of the things he has on there. So go check him out too. If you want to, uh, an invitation I would make to you that I'd really like like for you to do is to share this with uh, this, this podcast, this episode or the podcast generally with somebody you think would be interested in this. Um, 
you probably do know somebody who's got some Scottish heritage or, or is just a history buff, whatever it is. And also, I'd like to invite you to go leave me a review on on uh, Apple Podcasts. That's where I look at most of the reviews. And also, if you want to reach out to me, you can at thescottishclans at gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment. You can go to thescottishclans.podbean.com and, and reach out to me through comments on that platform. We have a thriving um, you, uh, not YouTube, but, uh, Facebook group. If you'd like to go on there, you can get really into a, a discussion. The Facebook group was created around this podcast, but it's grown way beyond that. In fact, probably most of the members don't even listen to this, but here you are learning about it here. I've got some awesome people that are member of that group, members of that group who are providing some really great discussion on there about Scottish clans. So go check that out. And until next time, Marush and Leib and Dorasta. 